welcome to a World of You podcast. My name is Hayden Lund, an inspired traveler dedicated to self-discovery. Every episode, hear intriguing interviews, as well as different insights and perspectives on what makes you, you. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start unpacking the reality of you. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A World of You. Before we get going today, I ask you to do something for me. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, would you please share it? Whether that is sharing the Facebook post with a new episode, whether it's directly sending it to someone who you feel would like it, or tagging them in the comments, or even just verbally spreading the word. The best reviews are word of mouth, And you can even do it while listening to the podcast. It'll take you 15 seconds, and to you it will mean nothing. But to me, it means everything. One share equals one more potential listener, and that can make all of the difference. It would really help me out. Now, today's topic is one that I am personally really excited to share. However, this was the episode that has been the most difficult for many reasons. And one of the obstacles was trying to properly articulate what I want to say. So I ask you to listen with an open mind and really feel the intention behind it. Don't focus on so much what the words are, but feel where I'm going with it. Listen to what the words are saying. In our society, mostly mainstream, death is scary. Not even just for us individually, but imagining the death of someone else dear to us is painful, if not more than the thought of our own. If I ask you to describe the scene of the final goodbye, it would likely be a funeral with everyone dressed in black, everyone's crying, the sky is gloomy, it's raining, and the focus is on the sadness of their death rather than the celebration of their life. Instead of remembering the wonderful moments and the memories that we have with them, and celebrating the end of their journey, we choose to focus on their absence in our lives. And I understand where this comes from. I do. When we lose someone, it's tough. You feel like you've lost this person, this piece of you, that you'll never be able to see again. The emotions that you feel are absolutely valid. In no way am I diminishing or dismissing them. It's human nature to have emotions, but it's how we go about the final ceremony. How we choose to view their passing, where a little change might go a long way. I honestly believe that the way that we view the death of others affects our healing process. Because of where we direct our focus, because We are taught that their death is the end. We will never see them again, never hear them again, never get to feel them again, hug them again. It makes it so much harder to work through the emotions that come with it. And by exploring some of the different death rites and traditions around the world, I hope to show you what I mean. There are so many unique and beautiful ways to celebrate death. One of the most well-known outside of the standard Catholic funeral 
is Dio de Muertos, or Day of the Dead. It's a holiday celebrated annually in Mexico. On November 1st and 2nd, family and friends gather to pray and remember their loved ones who've passed away, holding the belief that the dead would be insulted by mourning and sadness, it's instead a celebration of life with food and drinks and parties and activities that the deceased enjoyed while alive. It's believed that on this day, the dead are awakened from their eternal sleep to share and join in the celebrations. People dress up, they sing songs, they perform dances, they share stories and memories, all these things that focus on remembering them in a positive light. And this tradition was captured by Disney in the film Coco, and it's truly a celebration of life rather than a mourning of death. And this isn't just unique to Dia de Muertos. A lot of cultures honor their dead through celebration. In Madagascar, there is a tradition called Fama di Hana, or turning of the bones. And every five to seven years, during the winter months when it's dry, each family holds a huge celebration at the crypt where the remains of the deceased are rewrapped, hence turning of the bones, sprayed with wine or perfume, and brought out for festivities. This includes music, dancing, a huge feast among those in attendance, and as the festivities end, the remains are placed back inside the crypt as the sun sets, upside down to close the cycle of life and death. Because these people believe that the soul doesn't leave the body until it has completely decomposed, the rewrapping helps speed up this process while giving people a way to feel as if they're helping their loved one transition into the afterlife. And it's done with the utmost respect and love, which is why it's so powerful. And I was lucky enough to witness a death celebration once in my life. It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like it, and it completely changed the way that I saw death rites. I was in Peru on my group tour, going around the sacred sites at the time, and we were returning from staying up in the mountains for three days. And as we're driving down, it's pretty much all flat brown dirt, nothing really to see, and we come up on this small town, maybe, maybe a population of 200. Like, it was tiny. It was basically built around the road that we were on. And as we're driving by, we pass this group of 15, 20 people, and I could hear their singing through the car. And as I got a better look, I saw that they were all dressed in these bright, beautiful colors. Reds and yellows and oranges. And they were chanting and dancing while these people in the middle were carrying a casket. It was the first time I'd ever seen a celebration of death rather than the funeral. And as much as these people would have been upset for their loss, it was fascinating to see people put a different spin on death. A symbolic way to signify the end of one's journey. It was beautiful. But as they say, beauty comes in many different forms. There is a tradition in Bali that on the surface seems a little weird and creepy, but as you understand the ideology behind it, you get to see the impact that it has. This tradition is called Naben. In Balinese culture, 
they believe that death is a gradual process. Once the process of death begins, the people display the body as sleeping. Everyone still proceeds to talk to it, share memories, they dress it up and put clothes on it, sometimes they put cigarettes in the mouth and light it, and this process can go on for months. At first when I read about it, I had a judgmental, ew, what? That's, that's messed up reaction. But it's so important to know why it's done. What this does is that it helps them comprehend the death over a length of time rather than suddenly. And it might seem creepy to imagine keeping a corpse around pretending that it's still alive. But the impact that it has on these people is remarkable. Because of this practice, because it is done over a period of time where everyone has a chance to get closure, to have a chance to say goodbye and have their final moments, not one tear is shed. Once the death process is ended, everyone is happy that their journey is complete and they're able to be at peace. Almost no one in standard Catholic burial is able to have closure like that without shedding a tear. But there's even beautiful ways that are subtle. It doesn't have to be a giant religious thing. Becoming more popular are eco-funerals. One of the aspects of an eco-funeral is where the body gets cremated and planted with seeds in this egg-shaped shell. And these seeds end up growing into plants. And the beauty in that to me is amazing. Instead of coming to a gravestone, you come to something that is tangible, something that symbolizes growth. In this practice, you aren't burying your loved ones. You're planting them. But think about how this would impact the earth. Rather than going to a cemetery where you walk past rows and rows of gravestones, you instead come to a garden of the ancestors where you walk through groves of trees and patches of wildflowers. Places where, as you wander through, you can feel the connection not only with nature, but those who have moved beyond the physical, replacing the practice of putting non-decomposable coffins into the ground with growing new life and giving back to nature. And how would that impact our healing process? If you're feeling sad, really missing that person, you can come see what they're growing into. You can come water them. You can keep them healthy. If they were planted as a tree, you can hug them. If they were planted as flowers, you can smell them. All these things would give us a chance to help with our emotions, help us get past the focus of their death and absence to a space where we feel them live on, a place where we can come to connect with them. Death is hard for a lot of people. It comes with a lot of emotions. We fear loss. We fear the change that's going to occur when someone we care about passes away. But we must remember that it's a part of life. Just like a snake when it sheds its skin, it's a part of growth. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel emotion when we lose someone. That's, that's not it at all. What I am saying is maybe it's time that we change the stigma around death. Instead of the focus being a dark, 
gloomy time, put the loss of someone in a different light. Death is a part of life, and life is worth celebrating. Our guest today is Olga Radochai. Olga is trained in multiple different healing arts, and this includes shamanism, Egyptian alchemy, various meditation styles, and Reiki. Olga, welcome to my virtual studio. Thank you for imparting some of your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much, Hayden, for inviting me. So how are you doing? How are you enjoying this springtime sunshine? I love it. So I had a ceremony to welcome Equinox, the spring, and we just had a very powerful ceremony during this weekend to work on dissolving detachments and ego. And this is really to really welcome new things in our lives. So I love it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So some people may know the word shaman, but they're not quite sure what a shaman is or what they do. Even though you aren't limited to just being a shaman, what is it that that part of your life is about? This is, uh, uh, people would say this is the oldest healing practice since uh, uh, humanity developed. And uh, it is very powerful. So it, it started, of course, with indigenous cultures, but all around the globe. And there are tribes and uh, different uh, lineages throughout the world. And my particular is by uh, Dr. Michael Harner, who was anthropologist, and he spent his entire life, about 40 years, in Amazon in different countries. And he actually put together several modalities to be, for us in the West, to be able to follow. And I love it. So I'm doing this for about five to six years. And some other shamans that I... Uh, studied with which was all virtual over internet uh, through the shift network they actually almost all of them studied under this lineage as well so this profoundly changed my life because uh, this current state where we talk right now is called ordinary reality when you do shamanic work you are in a deep meditation uh, we use drums so no sacred herbs, but drums, uh, which produce uh, theta waves and brain is in a different uh, mode where we enter so-called non-ordinary reality and we get in touch with uh, spirit world, if you will, and we interact with them, we ask the questions. So there are certain modalities like deviation, diagnostics, uh, extraction, healing, uh, and uh, psychopomp and soul retrieval, power animal retrieval, all these things uh, like I was uh, trained in and I actively practice and especially like to create ceremonies and conduct them because they are very healing. And so you listed a bunch of different ways that you guys more or less channel in and, and use your gifts to heal. How How do you apply that to someone like if someone comes to see you or seeks you out for healing how do you apply these techniques to help them hey okay because i am as well um 
Reiki master teacher and uh, I use crystals. So I do first, I do this uh, diagnostics or deviation, divination, sorry, divination in, uh, by doing this uh, meditation, we call it in shamanism journey in an ordinary reality. So I get uh, diagnosis of the person, what person needs to get in terms of healing for that particular session, because it's all about energies, it's on energetic level, vibrations to be exact, and for whatever this person is ready, if I am one, because we first ask for permission, if I am one to actually pursue the healing even, and uh, I get uh, information of what the person is ready to receive at the time. So uh, I uh, would have basically this lined up, what shall I do? I also practice something called Egyptian shamanism, which I studied with Nikki Scully. This is called alchemical healing. So usually I get combination of several modalities, what person is ready uh, to go through. And uh, so I do this on my own and then I talk to the person and explain basically what I was told that the person should receive. And sometimes during the treatment, because I really, I'm not doing the healing, but the higher realms and consciousness is through me as a vehicle. This may slightly change. I may add something or not do something again, depending on the energies of the person who is being treated. So uh, it's a combination of a few things, which is for the highest good of concern and the person being treated at the time. So it's a very gentle treatment uh, with love and loving energies and um, it's light. And uh, sometimes person goes through super release of certain things. Sometimes it's more gentle, whatever person is ready to receive at that time. Well, that sounds like a wonderful way to go through healing and, and all sorts of ways to help us shift into different things. So how does how does this, I'll call it alternative lifestyle, how does this alternative way of living of existing change the way that you see life as we know it? Hmm, very interesting question. So my spiritual path of awakening was very steep and uh, it changed my life tremendously. So my uh, second near death experience happened like in October of 2017, which was profound and brought me much closer to the higher consciousness after which in the spring of 218 i had spontaneous kundalini awakening and that was totally different experience uh these things helped me really look at the world from different eyes and uh coupled with shamanic techniques and uh, egyptian shamanism really helped me and my family to go through certain healings faster because we all come to this world with um, karmic relations which are accumulations of all actions from the old past lives and we have to go through each lifetime on earth uh, supposedly you know without suffering and uh, happier than the previous lifetime but it doesn't work like this uh, all the time or never 
depending on the person. So it does help me personally, as I said, my family, all these people who whom I have treated to maybe even shift their perspective, but uh, all of them, almost all of them actually experienced shift in their own consciousness and the way how they treat their bodies as temples for the soul and the soul and this constant battle of the ego versus soul. So to give them perspective as to where to pay attention and what is important and relevant for each lifetime, which is to invest in our soul. Absolutely. And you mentioned there that you've had a couple near-death experiences. And some people would say that after they've had a near-death experience, it kind of changes the way that they see death as well, that it's not as fearful as we seem to believe it to be. What do you feel that the biggest misconception about losing someone we care about is? Ah, very good question. So basically, yes, this is how societies, most of the societies, modern societies uh, in the world are, there is fear of that. And this is really ego. Ego is ruling this because ego is afraid of losing this mortal body, which is the end of its ruling of the soul. And as we know, soul is immortal uh, life and that are the same one follows another it's just different frequency of vibrations and one cannot exist without the other so that truly doesn't exist uh, but it is projected as such to us uh, it is a beginning of a new life in the astral level and i know it's a little bit maybe hard to understand but uh, humans cannot comprehend the whole complexity and um, believe when someone is uh, a a left physical body that the end of it so usually people are very afraid of uh, being alone so it's a loneliness misery struggle and uh, they um, actually go through the process of grief and sorrow and everything which is suffering for the soul but that all comes from the desire longing or anger uh, which is all part of the ego of the person who stayed so that person does not know its own uh, soul and self-love and uh, does not know that it is possible to be in contact with the deceased ones through either shamanic work, mediumships. So that's why it's important that we have a really powerful soul and work on that. So the best way to go through it is to really meditate and to get uh, in touch with your own soul, which is only happening through a deep, long, silent meditation in complete stillness. And this is what happens uh, to people that they shift and they realize that the life of someone who loved is to be celebrated, but it's maybe uh, easier said than done, but these things help people and they are used now more and more. There are many, many shamans, uh, neo-shamans as we are called, modern shamans who Uh, people who were trained as um, 
MDs, psychiatrists, psychologists who really left the, the uh, modern medicine and, and start uh, practicing uh, these healing techniques using shamanic tools to help people to go through the grief process because it's uh, it's hard and it's not a pill there is no magic pill that you take and you just numb yourself it's deep meditation that helps to really uh, realize and self-realize and go through the process as uh, fast and easy as possible absolutely and i'm going to go back just just a touch you mentioned that you feel that our fear of loss comes from a lack of understanding. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Lack of understanding that uh, there is no life and that this is the same. So that is the beginning of the new life. And each soul decides uh, before the body is born where it's going to be, which continent, which race, which family, which city, which whatever country for the karmic deaths to, or, or negative karma to, uh, as I call it, not bad and good, but negative and positive, negative to work on in each lifetime. So it was basically soul's decision before the person was born for how long it is going to be on earth if uh, so decides to take certain portion of this karmic death and work through in the life uh, more or less of it that depends so it basically is their decision and that's the hardest part for humans to comprehend that it's nothing to do with those who were a part of the family or friends or something like that it's uh, it's hard to, I know it's hard to even uh, digest this kind of information, but, uh, you know, when you do, we do something called psychopomp, which is basically shamanic technique where we assist those who passed and are stuck in the middle world uh, after that to really be able to, if they are ready and willing, to go to other dimensions and to be able to transcend. So uh, we are trained to guide the soul and uh, help them get unstuck because this middle world where we live in is uh, sometimes souls get stuck uh, if the death is sudden, uh, if it's after coma or accident or war, something during the sleep and souls are not aware that the person is dead and that's how we do uh, help them to uh, basically go where they need to go and to be able to then reincarnate uh, again. I don't know if I answered your question. There is so much to talk about this on the topic. So for sure, for sure. Absolutely. So I'm just going to kind of generalize it a little bit and sum it up. So what you're saying is that instead of putting ourselves through the suffering because our ego is is afraid of the loss we should instead almost celebrate their death because they have completed their journey that they have completed what they have come to earth to do exactly yes yes you said it beautifully yes because uh as i said life and death are the same there is only life so um 
this is like the life that soul travels from one lifetime to another and this is based on created and carried karma from the lifetime to the lifetime uh, which soul can finally close based on the law of karma and that's uh, that is basically just transformation and transference between two lives so soul does not remember human experience once the body is left and goes to to other uh, dimension to just carry on the life. So because of your occupation of shamanism and, you know, you have a different perspective on death and loss, what would you say to someone who's going through the process of loss or has recently gone through it and is having a tough time? Yeah, they have to stay focused on positive. I wish I knew all this when my mother died, when my father died. They were on different continent in Europe. I was here in Canada when it happened and I struggled uh, when my mom died, the second one to pass. pass. Um, but uh, knowing that this is just transformation, that there is no that uh People need to celebrate the life and to live life uh, differently, uh, to pay attention to the soul needs, choose spiritual uh, path uh, and work on moral relaxation and express love to everybody, not just uh, those who are around you, but everybody like to really express appreciation for life because we forget life is a gift to humans so every day we should express our gratitude for the life that we live because it's a gift it's nothing that we deserved because there's no time to deserve it we are just born and knowing that at that soul is just liberated And that's what I felt in this uh, experience, the NDE. You feel that the body is basically encasing uh, the soul and it is really entire lifetime. So uh, it's liberation and especially those who were sick and who were suffering, it is liberation. And when I did uh, basically psychopomp for my mom, that was like they are the happiest uh, in the realm they are because there is no physical or emotional or mental suffering and pain but we perceive this differently and we we cry we mourn about uh, after them instead of really accepting the life as it is and um, cherish every day of our life with those who are around us in this lifetime That was beautifully said. One last question before we get out of here. Um, Would you say that one of the biggest obstacles or changes that you would like to see would be a shift in how we view death, just how we accept them passing as something to be a thing of life? Yes, exactly. Because it is a circle of life. It's a cycle. And as we said, like there is only life. So it's either that soul lives in this mortal human body while here on this specific vibrations on earth, or it's in life 
somewhere else. So there is only life. And it is, you know, how we are told and brought up that, uh, you know, there is life and death, there is hell and heaven. They don't exist. So we are all beautiful souls, part of the cosmic consciousness. And we are not separate because we all carry it inside. And that soul travels. So we are called, and I call uh, my uh, followers uh, soul travelers because we just travel from time to time, from life to life. And that's what it is. So if we are able to think about this this way and uh, perceive that as just a cycle of life, I think it would help many to go um, easier through the hard times of the life when they uh, experience the loss of the loved one. Absolutely. I think that was, an, that was an amazing expression. There is only life. I love that. Olga, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you sharing your insight with us, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you so much, Heidi. It was my pleasure to uh, uh, talking to you. Thank you so much. As always, we finish up with the community segment. Our question today is, what do you feel is people's biggest fear about the death of someone they love? And today we're going to start with Miguel. Sometimes... In my opinion, there is not logic in the way that some nice people that we consider nice, they are already not here. That uh, also we understand that when these people go, it's because of the time it was. But when we start to, to believe, we should enjoy second by second, the time that we should be on the earth now. Hi, my name is Sarah. Um, and um, I feel personally from going through it myself that the loss of connection in real time is one of the biggest things that people fear, that they will forget what the essence of the person that they love feels like once they are gone. And because my dad died slowly. So I had time to think about it a lot, but it was that once he was gone, that his energy would be completely gone and he, you would no longer feel his presence. And you do come to a realization that you just feel it in a different way. Okay, hi, my name is Christy. Having had the experience of losing people that I loved more than life itself, uh, the biggest fear initially for me was just, the, I think, the fear of the pain, terrified of having to physically go through the grief of the loss and experiencing the depths that are almost soul shattering at different points going through it and the resistance of the feeling of all of the emotions that obviously are unique and individual to each of us. I, I can't say that loss is universal in the way we will experience it, but grief is almost inevitable at saying goodbye to someone, having an ending of a story. 
And the second part, I think the fear for me was the physical part, like being afraid of forgetting the sound of their voice or the fear of just never getting to hug them again, the physical aspects of the actual loss. Um, but essentially the resistance to all of that kept me trapped in some pretty dark places for a very long time. So I think the fear is essentially, I guess, a resistance to a process that's natural, that is part of life, that we have to accept that there are beginnings that are beautiful and endings that are terribly sad. But our experience of them doesn't diminish the love and the connection and the relationship we have with those that are no longer physically with us. My name's uh, Jacob and uh, what I feel most people uh, fear about losing somebody they love is losing the present moment with them. Um, not enough people take that into account when they're living their life daily. And then once they've lost someone, that's all they think about is just losing, losing those precious moments like uh, your parent being there, for example, with my experience being there for your first kid or being there for a graduation ceremony or even just any kind of milestone or um, you getting to see your parent reach a milestone in their life like retirement or um, enjoying any kind of fruits of their labor that they've been working their whole life towards. I, I, I believe that's the biggest thing uh, in my own experience, at least what I feared the most when I lost my dad and uh, just not being able to have him share those moments with me anymore in my life. Thank you to everyone who shared today. Just as Olga said, we need not fear death, not our own or others, as there is no suffering. We should celebrate the beauty in life. And with that, I pose the question to you. What do you feel people fear the most about the death of someone they love? Be sure to leave a comment on the A World of You Facebook page or on Instagram at A World of You Podcast. While you are there, you might as well hit that share button and spread the love. Take care. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Have something to say? Head over to aworldofyou.com to find out how to share your message with the community and for a chance to be featured as the weekly blog. Find your voice and let's build this together. Thank you.